Hey, this is Tim Jones, creator of the Sour Grapes comic strip, and you're listening to Soul Wizard on the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. Broadcasting very fast and very dangerous from the planet Malastare, you are listening to Soul Wizard. You're thinking, you're people going to die? The only podcast to make the Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs. There'll be no one to stop us this time. What's going on, everybody? It is time for episode number 384 of the So Wizard Podcast. I am your host, Joey DiCarlo. My co-host this week, the expert, Mr. Marquis Marcellus Reagan. Yo, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. And the queen of all nerds, Aubrey Litchfield, is away on assignment this week. So in her place, we brought in very good friend of the show from the Stew World Order podcast. We've got Stu. Hello, everybody. How are you guys today? Living the dream. How are you? <laughs> I am doing well. I hope to do half as well on your show as you guys have done whenever we've I've had both of you on my show, both fantastic episodes. I'm hoping to do half as well as you guys did for me. Fantastic. It's a low bar. So <laughs> <laughs> you, the listener, are listening to So Wizard Podcast, where three friends discuss the world of nerd podcasting weekly on the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. This week, we're getting hyped, guys. We're getting ready for Spider-Man No Way Home with a Spider-Man hype train episode. We're going to jump on board the hype train and talk all about Spider-Man, including ranking all the Spider-Man movies so far. But before we get into that, Marcellus Reagans, how the hell are you? I am doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um, I haven't really accomplished anything big this week. Just uh, just relaxing, getting ready for uh, the upcoming holidays. So I'm trying to plan out my uh, meals and my uh, my baking uh, activities that's going to be happening. Wow. Okay. Um, any specific special dish you're ready to rock and roll? Yeah. When, uh, when we were not working from home and we were working in our office, uh, one of my coworkers used to make these amazing peanut butter cookies with uh, Reese's peanut butter cups in the middle of it. Freaking delicious. So, um, yeah, it's been a few years since I've had them. And, uh, so this year I'm going to actually attempt to make them on my own. Uh, because obviously we're not working. Uh, we're, we're still working from home. Godspeed oh. on that. That sounds delicious. <laughs> we know where we're going to get cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Stu, tell us all about Stu World Order podcast and tell us how you're doing today. Uh, Stu World Order podcast. We say we review random comic book movies chosen by our guest. You both have been on. You know how it works. You uh, you come to me. I have a list of I think currently it's one to one hundred and twenty. You give me three numbers. I tell you what your random movie pools are. And then the, the guest chooses which of the three they want to watch. And then we watch the movie. We give it our ups, our downs, our rating out of ten. And then at the end of the episode, we have a talking point, uh, something related to whatever's going on in that movie. And as far as how I've been, uh, pretty good. I went to the movies yesterday and I saw Resident Evil. Welcome to whatever that movie was called. <laughs> and what did it's, you what did you think of it? It's 
it's an odd movie because it's bad, but it would go several minutes at a time where I would get really engaged in what was going on, and mm-hmm. then something stupid would happen. <laughs> like, the dialogue was terrible, like, written by, like, a middle schooler. It's characters walking around going, like, hello, I am Jill Valentine, <laughs> and I am a police. And it's like, all right, this is... They just kept saying each other's names just so, like, I guess if you're fans of the game, you could geek out at that, but... Not written well, but then it would actually be kind of scary at parts and it would get interesting. And it was just so frustrating because you could see there was competent movie making there, but then something stupid would just get in the way. Yeah, that sounds a lot like our review of the movie. You pretty much hit all of the uh, the bullet points. <laughs> I have the, the thing at AMC theaters where like I, it's $20 a month and I can see three movies a week or whatever. So it's like, yeah, fine. I'll go see Resident Evil, whatever it's called, because it's essentially free. I'm paying for a subscription. That's fine. Yeah. Understandable. Well, don't listen to Fans on Patrol's uh, review. <laughs> no, no, actually do listen to it. Just so you do can listen, see, listen see what they think about it. All right. Do I listen. will have to do that. Do listen to it. If you like differing opinions than ours. <laughs> yes. I mean, if you like when people's opinions are wrong, that's, that's the episode <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love those guys. Uh, we'll be announcing something really special with them coming up eventually when we figure out what it's going to be. Um, how am I doing? Yes. Uh, I'm just getting burned out. I get to be honest with you guys. I'm a little burned out this week. Uh, I posted about it on my Twitter yesterday, but we recorded uh, So Wizard last week on Sunday or Monday. When was that, Marcellus? It's all kind of a blur. I want to say it was a Monday. Monday, because it was Monday because Aubrey had to work late. So we yes. did it late Monday night. So Monday we did that. Then Tuesday I was on the scene snobs um, with McManhattan. And um, we talked about Channel 11 movies from New York and sequels and all sorts of stuff. And that's available on their YouTube channel. At, uh, so just search the scene snobs. You'll be able to watch it. So I did that on Tuesday night. And Wednesday and Thursday I was doing stuff working at my other job. Then Friday night I worked at my other, the other job. I came home and at like 1030 at night. We started recording with a uh, home video hustle. So I'll be on there coming up and we didn't finish until like almost two in the morning. Yeah, that's uh, that's called the hustle. Do hustle motherfucking hustle. <laughs> that's right. And uh, that was a blast. And then yesterday, me and you, Mark, drove down to Connecticut. It's about an hour and 15 minutes away. And we went to Pina Comics house and we hung out with John from Pina Comics and we recorded two episodes with him. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. That was. And now we're here tonight. And then uh, tomorrow night, I'm recording with Back to the Blockbuster to do a Scream uh, retro review. And then Tuesday night, I think I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) And on the seventh day, God rested. (laughs) That's right. I've been recording a lot of guest spots on other podcasts and stuff. And I do this to myself every few months. Where all of a sudden I'm just like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And I agree to everything people ask me to come on the show. And then I realize like a week or two later, I'm like, oh, man, I'm running myself ragged. So I'm just really burned out. Right. That's <laughs> all your fault. forward to the Christmas uh, week coming up to like actually have some time to relax. I'm sure well, you, you do it to yourself, dude. But you, you definitely earn that relaxation. Oh, completely my own fault. So yep. no worries. And I love doing it. I love being on other people's shows and we'll be blasting all that stuff out across social media. So you'll know where to find it. But enough about us. Let's talk about us. Markellis Reagan. So why don't you tell the listeners where they can find more So Wizard Podcast? All right. So everybody can go over to SoWizardPodcast.com where you will find a brand new episode every week. Uh, you'll also find some movie reviews from yours truly. 
Uh, you will find some recommendations on new movies, books, and TV shows from the awesome Adam Mollyhawk. Uh, you'll also find our merchandise there. We have a T Public store where you can shop to get some T-shirts, sweatshirts, journals, coffee mugs, baby onesies, all types of things with the Soul Wizard Podcast logo and designs all over it. Uh, you can also find our social media links there. We have Facebook. We have Twitter, we have Instagram, so definitely get at us. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a five-star review while you're there. Uh, you can also find our show wherever podcasts are found, including the Stitcher Radio app, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, my personal favorite, Spotify. We have a YouTube page with videos going up constantly from Adam Mollyhawk, including movie reviews, trailers, uh, trailer reactions and interviews uh, we have a patreon page where you can support the show for as little as a dollar a month and you will be receiving bonus content and exclusive content from everyone here at the show shout out to all of our podcasting family in the geek world all-stars podcast and network back to you joey I think we just need an Excelsior. Excelsior! No, that's not good. Excelsior! Fucking fantastic. <laughs> All right, guys. So no news this week. No movie reviews. Nothing but jumping on the hype train. Markellis, do I hear the train pulling into the station? I gotta tell you, eight, almost eight years into this, and that's still absolutely hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs> Even if no one else laugh in the world of podcasting, I think it's hilarious. So Spider-Man No Way Home is coming out uh, this week as you listen to this, and we are getting excited and hyped up for it. We're going to talk a lot of Spider-Man today. I just kind of wanted to start right at the beginning. What cemented Spider-Man in your heart? What was that first moment, that first movie, cartoon, comic? Like, What was it? stew where you just said i love spider-man uh you know what it was for me the jm dematty's spectacular spider-man run i did a list on my website swoproductions.com a while ago where i'm i looked back in my memory as well as i could and figured out what the first couple comic books i ever bought was and if my memory didn't deceive me it looked like the second comic book i ever got in my life was spectacular spider-man 160 something it's the one where he fights a bunch of hillbillies in Appalachia, and one of them's named Banjo. But <laughs> I know exactly. Me, I can I can see the cover. Yeah, he's like bear side. hugging Spider Man. It's great. But to me, Spectacular was the book I get. I got in on on the ground floor. I wouldn't get around to Amazing until a little bit later. But boy, that Dematty's Spectacular run is just incredible. And I remember being nine or ten years old. And having read the the last issue of the uh, oh crap the Child Within storyline with Vermin and Harry Go or Harry Osborn, and I remember being in my car and just trying to explain to my mom. I was like, "No, this is a really good book, and it really makes me care about the characters, and it's so much deeper than just these characters fighting each other." And my mom was like, "No, that's stupid. It's a comic book." And my mom was wrong about everything in life. She was wrong about that too. Comic books are great, and they made me feel. And there's nothing wrong with that. Excellent. Uh, you still buy Spider-Man comics to this day or no? Uh, I stopped. 
I, it's hard for me to buy comic books nowadays because especially with Spider-Man amazing, they were like triple shipping for a while. And I just couldn't keep up with what amazing was doing when Zdarsky rebooted spectacular Spider-Man. I read a good chunk of that, at least to start. I loved that book. I thought Zdarsky on Spider-Man was tremendous. And Spider-Man's one of those things. Like I don't buy many comics right now. Currently I'm buying like, whatever Jubilee's in. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's a whole nother episode of a podcast, but uh, comics are very expensive nowadays. Yes. Yeah. For like $5 an issue. And you want me to buy three issues of that one title a month Mm -hmm. or the X-Men books. Like there's 28 X-Men books and I want to read three of them, but you're going to keep doing crossovers. No, no, I can't do it. (laughs) There was a time where I was dropping like 250 to $300 a month on comics. And I was getting a ton of comics. But nowadays, that'd be like not even a third of that. <laughs> so it, I couldn't even imagine how much it would cost to have that many books bought each month with them being five dollars each instead of like a dollar ninety nine or two. Right. So. Absolutely. Markellis Reagans. Yeah. Where's your Spider-Man love come from? Yeah. Don't you dare say into the spider. <laughs> God damn it. You beat me to it. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, my, I didn't love Spider-Man until he was named Miles Morales. That was when I first started loving him. <laughs> you, got, you said you read a lot of really boring comics until they made an awesome movie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, my first interaction of, uh, of Spider-Man where I was like interested in the character was because I'm really old. There was a TV show called the electric company. Uh, that came out in the mid seventies, and there was a sketch in the show where they would have a a guy dressed up in a comic accurate Spider Man costume. Uh, it'd be like a comic page, and then some of the panels in the page would come to life, and that would be the stuff that they filmed. I know I re- specifically remember Morgan Freeman like being a narrator for a few of those uh, episodes. Uh, so that was my first like real, I guess, love for Spider Man. Uh, I did have some issues when I was a kid. I I don't remember like the numbers or anything. I know my parents just gave me some Spider-Man books so I could stop messing around with my dad's uh, Conan the Barbarian comic books because <laughs> I, I was all about that. So yeah, I did kind of I didn't like follow any like long traditional Spider-Man storylines in a comic book because so, I was always a movie person. So the Electric Company and then the obviously the 1970 I want to say 78 or 79 uh, Spider-Man TV show that was on the live action TV show starring Nicholas Hammond. That was my... Were you throwing nets at people? That show was absolutely my jam. I love that show. And I think it still, to this day, has probably the top three Spider-Man theme song of all time. I love that show. I was going to say that that show is terrible. And uh, (laughs) uh, anytime that I feel like, oh, you know, this Spider-Man movie sucked or that Spider-Man movie sucked. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, I just have to think back to like him barely touching the wall as someone off screen is pulling him along on a rope. <laughs> that's, <laughs> like, well, all right. It was better than that, at least. Hey, that's what we got, man, for a TV show. I mean, this wasn't, you know, freaking Richard Donner, Superman, a movie. This is, you know, Spider-Man in live action. That's the best that they can do. And I'm all about it. Oh, I know. I remember renting that. It was from CBS Fox Home Video. And it was uh, two episodes like put together as a movie. It yes. Was Spider-Man in the Chinese web. <laughs> <laughs> and it was terrible. Even when I was like five, I was like, wow, this sucks. <laughs> oh, how, how dare you? <laughs> you know, well, what's interesting. If you like the 70 Spider-Man show, uh, famous comic book artist, Russ Braun, he loves that show. And he draws 
sketches of that version of Spider-Man all the time. And he started doing like Russ Braun fan casting where he was drawing like what 70s actors should have been what characters from that show. So it's like like the one that I think comes to mind is like he had Henry Silva as Morbius and he just draws all these random sketches of actors that, you know, who he thinks should have played what roles. That's fantastic. We just saw Henry Silva in a movie <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> so that's perfect. I'm 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 very psyched to see that. I'm going to be looking for that. All right. Well, for me, Spider-Man is my absolute favorite superhero. Um, the very first comic book I ever bought in my life, and I will remember it for as long as I live. Uh, Dairy Mart, Boyoke, Massachusetts. My mom buying a gallon of milk. And for some reason, I just could not tear myself away from the spinner rack they had there. And uh, I talked about this uh, when we recorded Pine of Comics, which, of course, will now be in the future. So it's a weird time warp type thing. <laughs> We're talking about this today. But, um, you know, I was not a big reader as a kid. And uh, my mom seeing me having interest in anything that would involve reading was like, uh, sure, comics here. Take, 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 take. It probably helped that they were like <laughs> 65 cents at the time, too. But uh, it was the very first comic I bought, July 1982. And it was Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number 68. So another shout out for Spectacular there, Stu. That was a good book, man. That had a really good run. I kind of bailed on it shortly after the 200s when they did the Clone Saga and then Marvel had Onslaught. And I was like, I'm kind of done with comics for a second. (laughs) But boy, I loved Spectacular from the beginning of my comic reading through, you know, whenever that happened in my teenage years. And I was suddenly Mm -hmm. too cool for comics. Um, yeah, it was uh, Bill Mantelow writing, Luke McDonald penciler, and Jim Mooney inks, where Spider-Man fights the Robot Master in a one-and-done story. But who would win in a fight, the Robot Master or Banjo? Uh, <laughs> probably Banjo. <laughs> but I, I don't exactly know what the big deal was for me with this uh, very generic random comic that I bought, but I was hooked. From that point, I was hooked, I, and I purchased Spider-Man nonstop until I stopped buying comics regularly about seven years ago. And when my dad got uh, laid off when I was uh, probably like, I want to say nine or 10, my dad lost his job because he got laid off and um, we had to stop buying like comics and stuff. I could buy one comic book a month. That's all I was allowed is one comic book a month. And I got amazing Spider-Man. Nice. It's a good choice. Good choice. That was the only one I kept. And I, I read Spidey and I, run it forever it was just my favorite character um and then of course you know this uh spider-man cartoon from the 60s was always rerun so seeing that next like pillar of that was the spider-man his amazing friends cartoon which was phenomenal and introduced a bunch of marvel characters and weird characters like video man who was a uh, arcade game come to life um which in the 80s early 80s was super cool uh probably sounds lame as hell now but uh, I think they dropped him off with the X-Men at some point, if I remember correctly. No, you guys not. Nope. No, no, that's way over my head. I do not remember Video Man, the living arcade. Oh, my God. Mark, no? no. I vaguely remember that cartoon show. I know I watched it a lot. I don't remember any of the characters. All I know is wow. Iceman and Firestorm, and he lived yes. in a... In a Firestar. Firestar. Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> they lived in a place with Aunt May that had like a, their wall like flip over and turn into computers and shit. Is that right? Yeah, and they had a reel-to-reel tape player for some reason that flipped <laughs> out of the, like, the wall. I'm not sure they never used it for some reason. That was a great, great, great cartoon because it just used a lot of Marvel characters. It was that almost proto-MCU where like you were like, oh my god, uh, 
comic book characters are interacting together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not Spider-Man uh, fights Spider-Man villains and no one else. And there's no other heroes in the world. <laughs> That's a little bit. I mean, I was obviously around and alive whenever Spider-Man and his amazing friends came out, but I was not old enough to be competent about it. But that's how I felt about the 90s with the Spider-Man cartoon, where it's just like it felt like the comic books, like there was this giant universe going on around him. And it's like Doctor Strange would pop in for an episode and Iron Man would fly by and do something. And it was great because you really, like you said, you got used to this whole thing where it's just like one property with one character doing that one character's things. And then you get to see like, oh, okay, there's a whole thing out there beyond this character's uh, uh, view. And it was phenomenal. But that's kind of how we fell into Spider-Man. You know, we are going to rank the movies in a bit, so don't give it away. But what is your favorite live action Spider-Man, Stu? Uh, actor? Is that what you're asking? Sure. Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's got, it's still gotta be Tom Holland. Uh, I think he does the perfect blend of everything. He's funny. He seems like he has problems in his actual personal life, like Peter Parker should. And he's very reminiscent of the ultimate Spider-Man, which I thought was one of the greatest runs on Spider-Man in, in the history of the character. When you have this young teenage version of the character, you know, not like in main continuity where he was 15 for like eight issues. And then all of a sudden he's 30 for the rest of his life. You have this teenage version of the character, and it's funny, and he's witty, but he has real stuff going on. So for me, it's Holland. Mark Hallis Reagan. Uh, I'm going to say Nicholas Hammond. Cause <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Shout out to Nicholas Hammond. Uh, no, it, it's Tom Holland. Uh, it. it it's one of those things where, you know, you think you know what Peter Parker is supposed to be and, what he, and how it's supposed to be when they cast uh, the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. And then it's like, yeah, you know, he's he's good, but he's not quite there yet. And then once you get to Tom Holland, it's like, okay, I think they actually got it right. I think they got a guy that's perfect for Peter Parker and also does a really good Spider-Man, at least the way that I would imagine him. So, uh, yeah, for right now, Tom Holland is probably the best version of that character. I I hate to be the uh, clean sweep, but for me, Tom Holland is the best live action Spider-Man. Both of you guys are 100 percent correct. The best Peter Parker, the best Spider-Man. And when you combine them together, you have the best one. So (laughs) it's like right out of the comics for me. So I I cannot I cannot complain. Uh, Best live action we're all in agreement is Tom Holland, but yeah, I don't think there's been a terrible one. I think they've all brought something to the role, but I just think Tom Holland just has all encompassed everything I want from Peter Parker and Spider-Man. The other ones have aspects that work fantastic, and we may mm-hmm. get into that in a little bit, yeah. but uh, he's the first one that nails both sides of the character. It'd be nice to see him pick up a camera, though, at least once. Just a one shot of Peter Parker with the camera. I think that would be nice. Mark, uh, kids don't use cameras. <laughs> nowadays, I I uh, know kids kids also don't dress up in red and blue spandex and swing across the city. But I can dream. Okay. Well, uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we will rank the Spider Man movies. So hang tight, kids. We'll be right back. What's going on, guys? It is your boy, Joey, from the So Wizard Podcast. Just wanted to talk to you a little bit about a new app I'm using on my iPhone. It's Wisdom, colon, Life Advice Audio. And that, my friends, is where you can hear conversations that matter, listen and talk with amazing people, share advice, and be inspired. That is what Wisdom is all about. Log in and download the Wisdom app and listen to mentors and content creators 
as they talk and discuss with you live on the app all about different topics and aspects of their creativity. I myself am using it under the screen name So Wizard Podcast, and I will be on there talking podcasting and other cool things in the future. So check it out. The Wisdom app available on iTunes, Wisdom Life Advice Audio. And we are back. All right, guys. It's time. It's time. It's ranking time. So what we did, as usual, we rank movies and series and things on the show is I got a list of each person's ranking for the eight Spider-Man movies that have existed. Uh, Each person ranked them one through eight. Then I took each movie I added across. So, for example, if all of us had the same movie number one, that would have a score of four. And then that gets ranked against the others afterwards. So that's how we came up with a meshed together list. It's myself, Stu, Mark Ellis, and we got Aubrey's list as well. I had to badger her a little bit for it, but I got it. (laughs) And uh, I mushed them all together and we got our master list. So we're going to go ahead and see if we all agree or if it's a little wild. So I guess right off the bat, we're going to start with the eighth movie. The least favorite for all of us combined would be number eight. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yes. Yeah, I don't think that's a big surprise. It wasn't my number eight, but uh, yeah, it was my number seven. It's right. It's down there. Yeah, you had it seven. Aubrey had it seven. Me and Mark Ellis both had it eight. Uh, Mark, not a big fan, I take it. No, and unfortunately, as much as I love the fact that they got the costume right for that one, I think they got it 100% correct. And the scene of him... Wearing a fireman's hat, <laughs> helping a fireman uh, put out the fire. I thought that was hilarious. So, uh, yeah, there's aspects of that movie that I actually do like. But unfortunately, the other seven movies uh, are better because Joey wouldn't let me include Spider-Man the Dragon Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man the Chinese Web. <laughs> the China Virus. <laughs> Stu, uh, you added seven. Not a fan. Uh, you know what? I've only seen it once. And the weird thing about every Spider-Man movie, all eight of these movies, I saw them in theaters and really, really liked them. This is a movie that to this point, I have not wanted to revisit because I know the buzz around it is terrible and I don't want to go back to it and be like, oh yeah, I was terribly, terribly wrong. But only saw it that one time. Eventually someone will draw it and pick it for my show and I'll have to watch it then. But I do remember Jamie Foxx just being oddly dorky and not being into that. And Harry Osborn looking terrible because it was that whole era where they kept making dumb versions of characters like the the fan four stick Doctor Doom and the <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse Apocalypse. Where like all of a sudden they forgot how to do legitimately good looking characters in these movies. Yeah, I had an eight as well, and uh, it's my least favorite of all the movies. Clearly, um, it it gets things right, and Mark's 100% right, and so are you, Stu, that like, there's things that it gets right, but the things it gets wrong are so huge. I can't stand Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. <laughs> I cannot stand him. I think he, he does good as Spider-Man. Um, sometimes his quips go over the edge into being Spider-Man and into just being a dick. Sure. But I, I, he does a good job as Spider-Man. I think Amazing Spider-Man 2 probably has the best live-action Spider-Man costume we've seen. Yeah. I, I'm going to be honest with you, and this will be a very unpopular opinion. And as much as I love Emma Stone, I cannot stand uh, using Gwen Stacy as a main girlfriend for Peter in any of these things. Because she has one fate. Yeah. <laughs> we all know what's coming. <laughs> like she has one, She serves one purpose. 
And that's how she was in the comics. She was not a very exciting character. And she served one purpose, and that's all she does in, in any Spider-Man story. And it's it's not interesting because you just know it's coming. But I, I just it's a mess. The whole movie's a goddamn mess. It's trying so desperately hard to set up a Spider-Man cinematic universe and that it forgets to actually be a good movie first. Yeah. Um, just imagine the MCU if Iron Man sucked. Well, it's weird because they waste so much time on this backstory with his parents, which is. Oh, that's awful, too. It's interesting because it's, you know, hey, we haven't seen that. Everybody who knows Spider-Man knows Aunt May, Uncle Ben. A lot of people don't know the backstory to his parents. But through two movies, we barely knew anything yet. And it they were just dragging that out way too hard. Yeah, there like is by a, two movies in, I should have known more about Richard and Mary and been invested in who they were. All I knew in this movie is that they ran away and died and something about a subway car with special subway <laughs> tokens. Yeah, Spider-Man's parents uh, being anything other than Spider-Man's parents who died and gave him to Aunt May and Uncle Ben is always awful in the comics. And it's just as awful in this movie, especially his dad having a special magical subway car. <laughs> I will say there is a there's a deleted scene where you see that his dad is alive. His dad actually didn't die. Oh, great! And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's story wise. I mean, you got to give him some points for trying to do something different. But Andrew Garfield acts his ass off in that scene, and it's like, wow, he's a really good actor. He's really pouring a lot into the scene that is in a shitty movie that no one's ever gonna see. <laughs> Yeah, he's really pouring a lot into the scene where he's in his room. I forget what he's doing in his room. Like, like Stu, I've only seen it once, but everything in his room is Sony products. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, God bless product placement. Yeah, I, anything with Spider-Man's parents being anything other than dead and normal people is awful because it takes away the, the every manness of any kid could be Spider-Man. He just happened to be the kid in the right place that got bit by the spider. But it could be you. It could be Mark. It could be Stu. Uh, or it could be Spider-Man's parents were secret agents and had magical <laughs> subway cars. Um, so enough about that shitty movie. We're moving on to number seven. So, so another another one that pretty commonly is down the bottom when we have these lists from anybody. And it's Spider-Man 3, Sam Raimi's final Spider-Man film in the trilogy. I had it at number six. Well, we all all three of us had it at number six. Aubrey had it at number eight, so it was the worst one for Aubrey. I know she's a big Venom fan, oh, okay. so I think the the way it treated Venom, I think the way any live action has treated Venom at this point, besides, <laughs> yeah. other than the fact that if this Venom showed up, it would spit out Tom Hardy at her, is probably <laughs> bad. But for us, yeah, I mean, all three of us had it at six. Uh, Markellis Reagan, Spider-Man 3. Yeah, I know it gets, it gets a lot of shit. Um, because it is the worst of the the three Sam Raimi movies, but the second one is it's the first and the second movies kind of set a bar pretty high. Um, when I worked at Blockbuster, I used to put Spider Man three on a TV all the time, and it plays like people enjoy it. I you know it didn't suck in the background, um, but unfortunately, the other two movies that came before it were just a lot better. Uh, don't temp your hand, uh, me or Stu, depending on how you feel about the other two movies. But uh, Stu, Spider Man three. Uh, you know what? It's not well made, but you're going to hear me talk about something else in regards to not being well made. So I'm not going to hold it that much against it. I thought this movie kind of embraced what was going on in this trilogy fairly well. Like, yeah, I had it sixth because the Sandman storyline is stupid and it doesn't need to be there. And a lot of the effects are bad. But you know what? Emo Peter Parker and all the dancing and the jazz scene stuff. 
I actually like that stuff in that movie because it really embraced a lot of the stupid stuff and it didn't feel like it was condescending to me. It felt like at that point the movie was in on its own joke. It's like, yeah, we're going to do something really stupid. It's going to be really dumb. We're going to have fun with it. Just smile and laugh. That's all you need to do. So I think the things that people hate about this movie, I think the hatred is misplaced. But then, yeah, you get into the Venom costume looks terrible. Like, why is it just his regular costume? with the lines on it but black the Sandman storyline where it's like oh Sandman actually killed Uncle Ben no one cares that's a waste of time it's just a mishmash of like some stuff that works and a lot of stuff that doesn't yeah um, I think how I feel about the first two movies also colors how I feel about the third movie not being good and it's not good don't get it twisted Um, I will some special shout out to Bryce Dallas Howard now I just said I don't like Gwen Stacy in (laughs) these movies but I gotta tell you she is 11 out of 10 hot in this movie oh yeah Bryce Dallas is, is gorgeous in this yeah I think she was like three months pregnant when they filmed this or something too so it was Maybe I'm wrong, but I seem to remember she that. Had a, but yeah. She had a glow. <laughs> she was just uh, unbelievably attractive in this movie. Um, Yeah, I mean, for me, what works in Spider-Man 3 and what should have been Spider-Man 3 is Harry is becomes the evil goblin and he and Spider-Man finish what they started. <laughs> like anything with that in the movie works 100%. You're invested in the characters. You're invested in that storyline from the previous two movies. Everything else is superfluous and it does not work. Um, I don't know why they shoehorned Venom in there. You could almost make an excuse for Sandman as an extra villain, whatever. It's fine. I don't, I agree with Stu. I don't like him having killed Uncle Ben. Man, like what? What a mess this movie is. And it's so disappointing. Oh, man. Well, it's I think just... the, I think the, the past two Venom movies kind of proved that Sony knows if you put Venom on screen in live action, people will pay. I think yeah. that was that was their plan. Like they didn't really give a shit if it fit within Sam Raimi's Spider-Man universe. They just knew if we put Venom on in a live action Spider-Man movie, we're going to get paid. The last two movies kind of proved that. Yeah, no, and they made money. I don't I didn't like them, but they made money and and I I'll tell you as a comic fan, if you really want to understand why Venom is so amazing, go all the way back uh to basically what was my favorite era of Spider-Man comics, which was the 200 to 300 and Read the entire Black Costume Saga from him getting the costume up to it leaving and becoming Venom and attacking him. And it's 10 out of 10 comics. Those are awesome. And you can understand why people loved Venom so much. Um, A lot of it's gone off the rails in comics and movies. But uh, yeah, I guess for us, you know, Spider-Man 3 just not going to work. So I think that's a pretty accepted opinion just about everywhere in the world. Yeah, I don't think there's any surprise whatsoever that those are seven and eight. They weren't seven, eight, seven and eight, you know, consecutively on all of our lists. But if you're doing a cumulative thing, it makes sense. Those would rank in at the bottom. Yep. So moving on to number six in our list of top Spider-Man movies, we have Andrew Garfield's The Amazing Spider-Man, the reboot to recover from the last movie we just talked about. (laughs) I had it seventh. Mark Ellis had it seventh. Now, here's the scary thing. Stu and Aubrey both had it fourth. Get the fuck out of here. I love this movie. (laughs) And you know what's funny? I own one Blu-ray. It, that's it. At I've only period? ever bought one. I've only bought one movie on Blu-ray in my life, and it was this. <laughs> what? What an honor! <laughs> it is. What are you buying movies on? Are you just not buying movies? I just stream things. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not a big physical media person. I, I don't even know how to respond. To this. Well, uh, <laughs> so is a podcast, which is Stu and the SWO. <laughs> All the best in their future endeavors. <laughs> 
No, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I mean, it has warts, too. I think a lot of the Spider-Man movies, except for maybe my top three, have pretty substantial warts. Like in this one, I get real tired of the Spider-Man in the, you know, the first several years of Spider-Man movies. The the scene they have to throw in where, like, the city of New York rallies around him. I'm not here for that. It doesn't do anything for me. And they did it here where, like, all the construction worker guys set up a crane bridge. I didn't care for that. But... I really liked Andrew Garfield. I thought, like, I want a Spider-Man who is really funny in the costume. And, like, that whole scene where he pretends to be afraid of knives or something. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, I'm not. And then just webs the guy up. I love that. That's that's what I want Spider-Man on film to be. Mark Ellis Regans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I... It's been a while since I've watched this movie, but I do remember... I really liked Andrew Garfield and I liked Emma Stone. I thought they were really good. Um... But the story just didn't quite work. I wasn't that big of a fan of the the lizard storyline, even though the costume didn't look it didn't look you know comic accurate. They did like a real life version of it. Uh, I appreciated the fact that Andrew Garfield was really funny as Spider Man. I thought that was really cool. I thought his Peter Parker was a little too depressed and too down, but I thought his Spider Man was spot on. Yeah, I hate this movie. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I don't know what I wanted from a Spider-Man movie rebooting the Raimi trilogy, but this was not it. And it just hit me at a really bad time when it came out where I was like, oh, this is terrible. I can't stand Andrew Garfield as Peter. Um, again, going back to much like Amazing Spider-Man 2, he does a good job mostly as Spider-Man. Uh, I just his Peter is awful and it just does not work. Um, the special effects on the lizard are really bad. I don't like the design they did for him where he looks kind of like uh, Toxic Avenger a little bit. It's it's just not a good movie. I, I was just not happy with it. And I do not like that Spider-Man costume either. It looks like ass. Yeah, but you got to remember, this is also a time after Christopher Nolan proved that a uh, a real life comic book character can work on a big screen. So obviously they're going to like try to emulate that in, in Spider-Man. Yeah, no, I understand what they were trying, but it just doesn't work. It doesn't work for Spider-Man. Like that's not Spider-Man. It's, it's almost like saying the same lesson was uh, what DC tried to do with man of steel, you know, Oh yeah. The yep. dark Knight and Nolan works for Batman. Um, it might work for some Marvel characters that are street level. Like I'm sure Nolan can make a great daredevil movie, but mm -hmm. you know, that same style doesn't work for Superman. It doesn't work for Spider-Man. It doesn't work for Captain America. Like those are characters that need more hope and happiness and excitement. Like no, 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 no. <laughs> hate it. Hate it. Hate it. So we're going to move on to number five. And, uh, this is, we're going to start to get in a little bit of controversy here. Number five, the original Spider-Man from Sam Raimi. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm the reason this is so low. <laughs> That's right. So Stu had this at number eight. Whoa. Jesus. I, yeah, I hate this movie. <laughs> Aubrey had it at number two. <laughs> and me and Markellis both had it at four. So <laughs> Stu, the floor is yours. Why do you uh, hate Spider-Man just... 2002? Like I said, all Spider-Man movies I watched in theater and loved. I saw this movie twice in theaters and loved it. And then I remember getting it on DVD several months later or what have you and watching it and just thinking, is this movie making fun of me? 
because everything I said about Spider-Man 3 where it leans into the silliness, it felt like this movie had the exact same things going on but was trying to take it seriously. Like you have Green Goblin flying away and yelling, we'll meet again, Spider-Man. And I was like, is this making fun of comic books? I don't appreciate that. It it stops in the middle of the movie to have a Macy Gray concert. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is that about? There's your Sony product, please. <laughs> <laughs> then there's... Uh, the scene where they're up on the rooftop and Spider-Man is just like, he just been gassed and he's leaning against a skylight and Green Goblin's just walking around him. It's so awkward. Like who shot this and was like, yeah, this is a, this is a big budget movie right here. This looks great. Spider-Man leaning up against the skylight and Green Goblin just chatting him up. I thought it looked terrible. Then you have effects where like Mary Jane is swinging on what is very clearly a sex doll. <laughs> and just, I, I don't like, I don't think this movie held up. And I know there's like a nostalgic affinity for it, but I ask people, I implore people, watch this movie again. This movie is nowhere near as good as you think it is. <laughs> it does things right. Don't get me wrong. J.K. Simmons, irreplaceable as J. Jonah Jameson. Bonesaw, very memeable, fantastic stuff. But everything else, like, ah, oh, Kirsten Dunst is just, she's not even mailing it in. Like, she barely bothered <laughs> to buy a postcard. Jeez. <laughs> Kellis Reagan, save us here. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say you might have a small point with the nostalgia-ness of it. Cause I remember when I was a kid wanting a Spider-Man movie. We almost and, got one with James Cameron uh directing. <laughs> yeah, and I followed that progress forever. You know, like when it's gonna happen, it's it's bound to happen. So if finally getting a live action Spider-Man movie that looks like Spider-Man was is like a dream come true. It almost didn't matter what the movie was about. As long as we got that, that's all that mattered. It turns out that they actually, I think that Spider-Man movie nails everything that needed to be done for Spider-Man. I don't think there's another version of a Spider-Man movie that would have worked other than a version that Sam Raimi did. I think the cast is perfect. I think the special effects were great. I mean, Spider-Man did look a little wonky with the CGI towards the end, but you know, you know, they're they're it's a new technology. They're just trying to perfect it. But he got the if you never picked up a Spider-Man book ever in your life, you got the full story based on that movie. Like you would know everything that you would need to know about Spider-Man based on a movie, other than the the uh, web shooters. But everything else. I feel like that movie really encompasses what Spider-Man is all about. And I think Sam Raimi made a, a, an incredibly fun popcorn movie introducing that character. So, yeah, I love that movie. I love this movie, and I'll get into it in a second. But, Stu, just to speak to your point, especially about Green Goblin, um, the movie is like a love letter to uh, Lee Ditko Spider-Man comics. Uh, and they all read like that. So. It I I could I could see it like that. I absolutely could. But watching this movie, when I rewatched it, it felt less like a campy love letter and more like mockery. And I could okay. be wrong. Like Sam Raimi could say, no, that's 100 percent not what I intended. But when I watch it, that's what I feel in my heart. For whatever reason, I feel like it's like you like comic books. These are stupid. Look what they're like. <laughs> I don't think um, that at all. I, I think Tobey Maguire is an amazing or spectacular or uh, <laughs> um, web, or web of. of. <laughs> yeah, he's a very web of Peter Parker. I think he's great. Um, he's a terrible Spider-Man. Well, I don't like him as Spider-Man, but I love him as Peter. Uh, Kirsten Dunst, for me, is an all-time like woman crush Hall of Famer. So for me, uh, I love her as Mary Jane. I just <laughs> sure. love her anyway. But um, yeah, I, uh, sorry, I'm not going to agree with you on that one. The best live-action Mary Jane we've 
ever gotten. Not that there's a lot of competition, but just saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like I said before, I was a huge Spider-Man fan ever since I was like like four and a half, five years old. And, and we never thought we were getting this. Um, I'm sure you remember, Stu, as well. There were so many start stops on a live action Spider-Man movie. They would announce it in comics or in Marvel Age or in Stanley's bullpen bulletins. Um, and then nothing would happen. And then there is James Cameron was going to direct it and it didn't happen. And then um, I want to say Carlico, Carelco. Am I pronouncing that right? Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, that's it was some company that they had the rights. They even made a live action trailer and then they went out of business before they could get the movie made. And it just seemed like it would never happen. And then it happened and it was so good. I'm like, I just remember like weeping in the movie. <laughs> oh, no, like, I could not handle my emotions with how happy I was that Spider-Man existed as a movie. And it was so good. Um, I, I have not watched this in probably like 10 years, maybe yeah. 15 years. I mean, it's been a long time since I've legitimately sat down and watched this movie. So maybe if I did, I might actually go more towards what Stu has to say. But uh, just going off rose-tinted nostalgic glasses, I love this movie. And uh, Stu, I just want to say, sleep. (laughs) (laughs) That line has always stuck with me, too. Oh, that delivery. Willem Dafoe, man, he's fun. But yeah, I don't know. There are parts where it's just like, are you making fun of me movie? I'm not here for that. I, I do not appreciate. <laughs> we, we definitely need a Macy Gray reference in uh, No Way Home. I want to see like the multiversal versions of Macy Gray come out. Like one is like a heavy metal band. Uh, one is like a gangster rapper. Anyway. Macy Gray on. of madness. That's right. The Macy Gray. <laughs> Someone make the meme. All right. <laughs> moving on. Number four. Spider-Man Homecoming, the first MCU Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, this was a little surprising for me. This is my number one Spider-Man movie of all time. Wow. Uh, Stu, you had it at three, Aubrey at six, and Markellis at five. So all over the place. Uh, Markellis Reagans, number five. What's going on here? Uh, unfortunately, the other I just think the other movies are better. Um, but I love Spider-Man Homecoming. I think it it works incredibly well as an introduction to Peter Parker. It doesn't really do the the heavy lifting of the first movie regarding like how where the spider came from and you know how he got bit, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I think it on its own, funny where it should be. It's it's uh, adventurous where it should be. It hits all of the buttons. And the, the thing, and, I, and I've said this before, Spider-Man movies now that are under the MCU, they are a different flavor than the other MCU movies. And I wasn't really aware of that. So I always felt this movie was a little subpar compared to the other MCU movies. Um, it wasn't until the second movie that I was in on the the frequency that it's delivering. It's not a regular MCU movie. It's more of a John Hughes movie with superpowers. And once I realized that it made the other movies better, I was able to enjoy them a lot more. But the first one, I I didn't quite get it at first. So maybe I maybe I need to rewatch that one. Uh, maybe if I rewatched it, it would be a little bit higher. But I think the other movies that we have uh, that came out were just slightly better than this one. All right, Stu. You've got it, number three. So you're a little, you're a little up there. I almost might agree with you on something. What do you got? Oh, I, I have nothing bad to say about this movie. I really like this movie. My only problems with this movie, kind of like what Markella said, is my number one is to me a perfect movie. It's arguably my favorite movie of all time, and my number two I think is just as good as this. There's just one particular scene, one moment that puts it uh, above it for me. I think this is a great movie. I think Tom Holland is fantastic. I think Michael Keaton is is just so menacing for playing the vulture who is like 
I mean, I guess he's B-list for as far as Spider-Man bil- villains go, but he's just an old dude that flies. And yet Michael Keaton makes him so terrifying, like that limousine scene, or, or I guess it's not a limousine, but he's just, he drives them to the dance and talks to Peter. That is so tremendous in that movie. Yeah, I have nothing bad to say about this. I like it a great deal. Uh, the only thing maybe is, you know, we had Civil War before this, and Civil War did such a good job introducing the character that it felt like this movie just had a little bit less to do. Like we had already established Peter. We already know who this character is. We just got right into it. But no, I had a ton of fun with this. I think this is a great movie. And even in my MCU, this is in my top 10 of the MCU. Yeah, uh, this is in my top three of the MCU. (laughs) And uh, it's my favorite Spider-Man movie of all time. I love Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Both of you guys touched on it. You know, it's a great movie. Michael Keaton, amazing as the Vulture. Obviously, it's part of a huge franchise. That is great. I know some people like to shit on uh, Tony Stark being it. What they say is too much. He is not in it too much. And it it has, in in my opinion, the best live action Spider-Man scene ever when he's trapped under the rubble. Yep. Mm. Like when I'm sitting there watching that, I'm like, that is it. That literally is Spider-Man in human live action form. Like they encapsulated everything you love about Spider-Man in one scene. So uh, that's for me as the best live action Spider-Man in his best movie means it's the best movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty easy call for me on that one. But I guess I'm on a lonely island with that one because we're moving on to number three. And that is Spider-Man Far From Home. Mark at number three. Stu at number two. Aubrey at number three. And I had it at number five. So... Uh, Stu, far from home over homecoming and pretty uh, close to the top for you. What is what's going on? Here's the thing. This is a hype train for No Way Home, right? Yes. Yes. When I saw Far From Home, when that movie ended, the only thing in the world I wanted to watch next was No Way Home. (laughs) I felt like I've just been waiting two years here for this movie that I've been wanting so much since this movie ended. That credit scene where we get J.K. Simmons back and he does the reveal. Oh, that was that was just perfect. And as you said, I love MCU Spider-Man. I love Tom Holland. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal also does a tremendous job in the role of the villain here. The thing that puts this for me just a hair over Homecoming is the spider sense scene at the end. I can kind of be something of a power geek in comics, and I've always loved the idea of the spider sense. And this is the first movie where we really see what the spider sense can do. Like, it's not just this stupid thing that's like, oh, someone shot a spitball at me. Uh oh. Like, he actually uses it offensively and he just tears through all these drones. And it's like, yes, Mm -hmm. that is what I want that power to look like. So for me, that I think is my favorite single scene in any Spider Man movie is that spider sense scene in, in Far From Home. I love it. Uh, I just think this is a really fun movie. Mark Ellis Yeah, I'm going to agree on a lot of those points. I do think this is one of the better written Spider-Man script. The first movie, you know, all he wanted to do was be an Avenger. He just wanted Happy to call him. He was just down for action. And then in this one, he's like, maybe I don't want to be Spider-Man. Maybe I just want to be a kid. So seeing him have to balance between being a kid and being Spider-Man is just a theme that I think works really well in any Spider-Man movie. So the fact that they were able to bring it into this, I thought was great. Mysterio was a character that I never thought I would see like live action. (laughs) And the fact that they figured out a way to bring him to the screen and tie it into the other MCU movies 
and make it somewhat believable and have it be played so wonderfully by Jake Gyllenhaal. I've said it before. I've never rooted for Peter Parker more in my life than I did when he got hit by that train. After that uh, <laughs> amazing sequence of him fighting Mysterio, that weird like hologram dream sequence almost. And then I'm like, how is he going to beat this character? What's, what is he going to do? And just putting Peter Parker down to that, breaking him down to that level and wondering how is he going to pull it off? And then the scene with him, you know, I know, again, people give a lot of shit about Tony Stark being in the first one, but seeing him on the plane, building his suit and getting that Tony Stark, like, you know, uh, remembrance, especially because it's after Endgame. Oh my God, this movie is so well-written. Uh, and then the the end, the, the post-credit scene is just an unbelievably well-balanced Spider-Man script. And it's delivered uh, amazingly. So, yeah, I love this movie. I think it's it pulls off what it needs to do a little bit better than Homecoming. I disagree with you guys. <laughs> but, no, I think they're, both of you make excellent points. And there's great stuff in this movie. I love the Mysterio stuff. And like you said, Mark, seeing Mysterio work in a live-action movie, it's like we're at levels of superhero comic book movies that were legitimately we could not conceptualize as kids yep exactly and i i've said this a million times before on the podcast and Stu, uh, you might be around our age i uh, maybe maybe a little younger but you might remember um comic scene magazine used to have in the back of the issues it was probably like three or four pages and it was just text it would list every single comic book character that that had any kind of options for a tv show a cartoon a movie and i want to say like 99 percent of that stuff never got made <laughs> <laughs> At least 99%. Right. But we, we were always like every month you'd open up comic scene, flip to the back and see if it was there an update on that Sergeant Rock movie they were talking about. <laughs> like, but and so now to see this stuff and it exists and it's fucking amazing. It, it's crazy. It's so crazy. The Mysterio stuff in this movie is great. Um, the Spider-Man action is great. But what bumps it down for me really is just everything with Peter and his friends is it almost feels like a very special episode of like step by step or something where they, they go on vacation. <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. The Spider-Man vacation thing just doesn't work. And a lot of it does, but for the most part, it just kind of drags the movie down for me. At least I, I don't think there's anything that happens that couldn't have happened back home. <laughs> like there, there's literally no reason for them to be overseas. Uh, I, I just, it just, you know, it just That's doesn't fair. work for me. That's fair. I can see that complaint. You're, you're right. Like, they just put him over there, and story-wise, it, it doesn't need to be. But I still enjoyed it. I can't hate it, so. Yeah, and that's not to say it's a bad movie. Don't get it twisted or anything. But it's just when I'm ranking them, as we start to get higher in the list, it gets harder because the other movies I like more. So uh, that's why it bumps down to five for me. Number three overall on the list. So I, I hate to tell you guys this, but we have a tie for number one. Oh, no! <laughs> If you're playing along at home, you can figure it out. But Spider-Man 2 is one of the movies tied for number one. Uh, Mark Ellis had it number one. Aubrey had it number one. I had it number three. And Stu had it number five. Uh, we've heard your thoughts on the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man, Stu. You have this at five. So what brings it down to number five for you? 
Uh, it's not so much what brings it down. I think this is good. Alfred Molina is incredible in this. The train scene is obviously the train scene. Everybody loves the train scene. It does the same thing as the first one and the same thing that Amazing Spider-Man does where we get that scene where it's like, here comes the city of New York to save Spider-Man. <laughs> and like I said, I just got real tired of that by all these movies. And then Toby Maguire, who's almost 30, and they're like, it looks <laughs> just like my kid. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is perfectly good. I just think, you know, I like Amazing more because I like Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man more. The MCU movies, I think, are great. And then, obviously, we haven't mentioned number one yet. Everyone can figure out it's my number one. I think it's a perfect movie. Uh, there's, I just think, like, you know, this has the same kind of Sam Raimi stuff going on. So I don't love it, but I like this movie. When I think of this movie, I do think of, like... Peter and Mary Jane standing in the destroyed restaurant and Dr. Octopus's footsteps coming like doom, doom, doom. And they just stand there like schmucks. And I'm just like, again, this is like that rooftop scene for me where I'm like, who shot this and decided like, yeah, this is good. We're going to put this in our multi-million dollar movie. <laughs> <laughs> Some valid complaints. Markel is number one. Yes. I think over this is the what over what will also be tied with it for number one, which to me was shocking yeah yeah and i and i mentioned before uh, when we spoke a little bit before i it took me a while to make my list because i wasn't sure if my feelings had changed uh spider-man 2 was always my number one movie uh for years and then you know i had to reevaluate what i thought about it but i still think it's one of the most well-written superhero movies ever made i think everything that they wanted to do regarding making the villain, tying up things with Harry Osborn, uh, the stuff with MJ, uh, the stuff with Aunt May. I think all of that stuff is balanced so well. Uh, when Aunt May gives him the speech about, you know, the world needs a Spider-Man, oh, God, it, it gets me right in the feels, right in the feels. I, I love that scene. The The sequence where Peter Parker is, uh, he has to film, he has to take pictures at this gala of uh, J. Joma Jameson's son. So he's there. Mary Jane is giving him shit about not being in the play. Uh, Harry's giving him shit about not delivering Spider-Man. J. Jonah Jameson is giving him shit about not taking pictures. Every time he tries to grab an hors d'oeuvre, he always misses the last one. He finally gets a drink and it's empty. Like he, the worst, Peter Parker's at his worst. And it's all during this one scene. And I love the fact that they put him at this point and you root, you want to root for him so bad. And when you get to the end where he gets the girl, he gets his powers back and he defeats the bad guy oh god this movie is everything that comic book movies should be i think it's 100 99.9 perfect i think it's amazing yeah um i gotta agree with you mark ellis and i completely agree with Stu also because again i have not watched this in probably 10 years and so again i'm speaking through rose tinted glasses um you know i put both these movies on a sim card for my daughter to watch when she was much younger on a tablet that we gave her and she used to watch them all the time i think spider-man 2 up until the mcu started was legitimately like the perfect comic book movie i, I didn't think you could make a better comic book movie yeah <laughs> i didn't think it was possible obviously it, it is possible <laughs> but um in what we were taught to expect from how hollywood made comic book movies from 2004 until the mcu started so about a four-year span this was literally 10 out of 10 the best you could ever hope to get yeah and uh, everything you said 100 i agree with you guys alfred Molina's is great peter parker 
awesome. Again, I don't like him as much as Spider-Man, but he's a great Peter. You know, Mary Jane uh, and her nipples. Um, <laughs> yeah, and just that whole sequence, him losing his powers and then getting them back is just like Niagara Falls, Frankie Angel. At least it was in 2004. Right, right. <laughs> Again, uh, much like Homecoming, this is a great movie that just sums up like why so many people love Spider-Man as a character. And that's why it works so well. That's why it's so high for me. But it's not my number two and it's not Stu's number one <laughs> and it's not Mark's number two. It's Mark's number one, but which was shocking to me tied with Spider-Man two for number one is Spider-Man into the spider verse, a controversial edit addition to the list as it is a animated movie. I had it at number two. Mark had it at number two. Stu has it at number one and Aubrey has it at number five. I think it might just be the animation, but mm. Mark Ellis, I, I, I'm going to let Stu gush over this movie in a minute. <laughs> I have to know why this was not number one for you. Uh, I Again, I, I Spider-Man 2, the live action one, was always going to be my number one Spider-Man movie until I saw Into the Spider-Verse. And Into the Spider-Verse gets, it's it, it almost isn't a movie. It's almost too good to be a movie. You know what I mean? It feels like you dove into a comic book world. Like it's it's staggering the the achievement that they were able to do in animation. It's kind of bigger than Spider Man it, itself. Uh, the only drawback to the movie that I have is that it doesn't explain how Miles got bit by the spider. Like that feels like there should be something that uh, that should be a, an important issue, an important topic. That should be a scene that that should carry out in this movie. But other than that, everything else is perfect. <laughs> I have no problems with this movie at all. It's easily one of my favorite movies. I wanted to put it at number one, but my my nostalgic connection to Spider-Man 2 just, mm-hmm. it just held down too tight. And I, I recently watched Spider-Man 2 and I was just like boohooing through certain scenes. So <laughs> yeah, it, 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 Into the Spider, it's, it, was a, it was a really close, close, close second for Into the Spider-Verse. All right, Stu, number one on your list. After all the controversy of your picks, the number one movie on your list, Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I mean, it's my number one Spider-Man movie. It's arguably my number one movie ever, period. No restrictions whatsoever. I love this movie. And the hilarious thing is I didn't want to see it. Like when it came out in theaters, I saw it for my podcast. And that's the only reason I went to see it the weekend it came out. And then... 10, 15 minutes into this movie, I was in love with everything this movie was doing. And I've watched it so many times since. So I know, unlike some of the other movies that I said I loved and then either never went back to or went back to and didn't like them as much, this movie always holds up for me. I don't watch this movie once a week. I don't even think I've watched this movie this year, but at least once a week, I will be sitting around and thinking, I should put into the Spider-Verse on. (laughs) I just, I think this movie's amazing. The art, or the art, the animation is incredible. All these characters from all these different universes have their own unique style and they all still look like they belong in the same place i think it's just gorgeous i love everything this movie does and like uh, markella said about boohooing through spider-man 2 when i watch this movie and you get the uh the stanley voice cameo doing the 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 shopkeeper guy and he says i'll miss him and just because it's stan and because he had passed away you know before this movie came out that always kills me yeah, I, I just love this. I think this movie is tremendous on every single level. It's funny. It makes me cry. The the action sequences are glorious. Oh, I think it's I think it's the greatest. And there's no way I can watch this movie and not cry regardless. Even if I've seen it yeah. 20 times. There's certain scenes that just get to me every single time. Yeah, the, well, the, right before Miles lets Peter go and he's like, "How will I know where I'm ready?" 
And he says, oh, you'll know. Oh, come on. This is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, it's my number two. And the only reason it's not number one, because I 100% agree with both of you guys. And I actually 100% agree with Stu. This is a absolutely fantastic movie. It's from top to bottom, like legitimately perfect in almost every way. I think this movie is 99.9% perfect. You know why it's not perfect? Why is that? Peter Parker's not the main character. (laughs) Peter Parker's my Spider-Man. That's what I want to see on the screen. So get all these other Spider-Mans out of here. Boo. Racist. (laughs) (laughs) I hate all other Spider-Mans, not just just Miles. Not just the the black, Hispanic, and the Asian ones. All of them. (laughs) Yeah, all of them. Get them all out of there. No, I mean, that's a a super nitpick. But, you know, if I'm... If I'm weighing it against Homecoming and like it's my personal opinion, I grew up with Peter. That's my Spider-Man and Homecoming to me is the best movie representation of him. So that nudges it. It's like Homecoming to me is 100 out of 100 and Into the Spider-Verse is 99.9999999999 out of 100. So like it's it's not like I'm like throwing it down at like number eight or something. You know, like it, it's legitimately nearly a perfect movie. And if I wasn't nitpicking, it would be a perfect movie. <laughs> I just remember watching the movie theater. I don't think we did. We even do it as a main episode on the show. I don't remember. I mean, like I, years ago, I'd have to look, but I think we did. I, I just remember there wasn't a huge amount of hype for this when it came out. No, there was not at all. And I think it was a combination of, of it was Sony by themselves without Marvel studios and it was animated and you didn't know what to expect. And I remember just watch, watching in the theater with the kids. And then after it was over, we're just sitting there. We're like, that was fucking amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> holy shit. We were legitimately like blown away by that movie. And we actually made uh, my wife watch it later on when it came out on home video. And even she loved it. And she's not going to, she's not one to sit down and watch animated movies with us. So like it, it's has, a great, she has mortal combats to watch. That's right. One and two, uh, but not the newest one and not, not the TV show, but yeah, man, uh, it's such a great movie. It's just, you know, that's the only reason it's not number one to me is because uh, I'm a huge Peter guy. I'm a huge Peter Parker, Mark. And, uh, you know, homecoming is to me the best representation of him, but that that's it into the spider verse and Spider-Man two tied for number one. Yeah, I think that list makes all the sense in the world. When you took our four opinions, even them out like that, I think you've got unarguably Into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man 2 are going to be the top two on most people's list. Inarguably, Spider-Man 3 and Amazing Spider-Man 2 are going to be at the bottom two. Mm-hmm. And then you've got kind of a little hodgepodge in the middle of where you can put all the rest of them. I mean, I think we got a list that's really representative representative of what people think of these movies. Yeah, and, you know, it mostly lines up with my opinion, so I think the list is right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, so, you know, that's it, man. That is our Spider-Man Hype Train episode for this week. Marcellus Reagans, as we leave today, is there anything that you would like to say that you're looking forward to for Spider-Man No Way Home? You know, What's I, the number one thing that you're walking in that theater wanting to see? Let me see. The thing that I, I just want a well-balanced story. I want something that lives up to what I felt during the Mysterio battle in the last movie in Far From Home. If I can get that feeling back, then I, I'll take it. Uh, I am a, I'm a little worried about this because, you know, I mean, let's be honest. Part three of uh, any superhero franchise is questionable. Uh, Spider-Man itself Again, questionable. Has there been a good Spider-Man 3? 
So, <laughs> yeah, see, so um, yeah, I, I'm I'm hesitant about putting my expectations too high for this one. They did such a good job with the first two of the Tom Holland ones. I just want a good story. If I can get that, I'll take all of the, the bells and whistles and ridiculousness that they they can offer, as long as they give a, give me a good story. All right, Stu. Thank you so much for coming on with us and talking Spider-Man. Tell everybody where they can find the Stu World Order podcast and then tell me what you are looking forward to the most about No Way Home. Absolutely. So uh, we are on Twitter at SWO Productions. Our website is SWO Productions. In addition to the podcast, we have pop culture articles pretty much every single day. Uh, The podcast, again, is the Stu World Order podcast. You can find that on pretty much any podcasting platform. We'll be there. And as for what I'm looking for from this movie, I mean, just like I said when I mentioned Far From Home, just a good continuation of that story. I want more J.K. Simmons back as J. Jonah Jameson. I want to know what's going on. I hope that besides just Doctor Strange, we get this kind of view of like, what did the other MCU characters that are out there think about what's going on here? In addition to, you know, we're going to get all the multiversal stuff and are we going to get Toby and Andrew? I mean, they've all but confirmed that. I I, I think like, boy, if those two don't show up in this movie, they're going to have to, (laughs) they're really going to be covering their their butts on that because it feels like everybody's the worst kept secret in the world that they're going to be in it. Uh, I'm looking forward to everything. I think this movie's going to be so much fun awesome well thank you so much for coming on with us um if you are looking for more jk simmons there is a daily bugle tiktok account <laughs> yes i'm not kidding it's run by uh, oh shit what's the character's name blonde girl from the uh, first two movies betty brant yeah betty brant it, it's her as his as he likes to remind her a, a lot on the tiktok account as his unpaid intern running the account and it's it's basically uh you know just clever marketing but it's fun and it's cute so check that out on tiktok uh my thing i'm looking forward to the most is that people go to sowizardpodcast.com where they can find the podcast every week links to all our social media accounts on the right hand side of the page there's comic reviews there's movie reviews there's so much more at sowizardpodcast.com don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Good Pods, just about anywhere under the sun you find podcasts. We will be there. Check out our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com backslash Podcast. There is hours of free exclusive content there. Uh, Adam just dropped some more interviews and a review of Red Snow, which is dropping uh, on VOD later this month. So we got an early review of that on YouTube for you. We have our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Podcast. You can monetarily support the show and get extra exclusive episodes and content. This month, it's the only place to hear our Christmas I Hate You Now watch as Aubrey and Marcellus are forced to watch Christy, Santa's first female reindeer, <laughs> which is free on YouTube if you want to check it out yourself. Christy, okay, being. yeah, the first, okay, interesting. Yeah, see what they're getting themselves into. <laughs> Ah, no way home. Honestly, dude, I just want it. I just want it to, to nail the landing. It's fine. It doesn't, I, I, I don't even care who's in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want it to be good and stick the landing. That's all I'm hoping for. I've said it enough on this podcast. I love Tom Holland. Uh, obviously we're all huge, uh, Marvel studios marks. So just, yeah, just I, stick the landing. <laughs> I have pretty much implicit face, implicit faith in Kevin Feige handling this character. So I, I'm sure it'll be good to some degree. Like, will it be as good as I thought one and two were? I don't know, but I don't anticipate not liking this movie. 
yeah, uh, I, I'm not going to be much of a surprise <laughs> if, if if the reviews come out. They're all glowing, but we're going to find out next week when we review it on the podcast. But that's going to do it for episode 384 of the So Wizard Podcast. I have been your host, Joey DiCarlo, my co-host from the Stew World Order Podcast, Mr. Stew. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for having me on, too. I enjoy talking to you guys all the time. We love you, guy. Don't worry about it. And Mr. Marquis, Mark Ellis-Reagan. Everybody, have a great week. Uh, hopefully, you were able to get your tickets for uh, the new Spider-Man movie. And if you did, definitely come back next week. Hear what we have to say about it. Uh, Wakanda forever. That's right. We'll see you guys next week for our Spider-Man No Way Home review. And the Macy Gray Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> Good journey. <laughs>